0: Um, I felt about a month ago that the Lord wanted me to, to write another offering declaration. And so I read it, I mean I wrote it, and submitted it, and it needed a little tweaking, and then I sort of put it on the back burner. And when Bob Jones was here last week, and he started talking about that this is a time for decreeing things, for making decrees, that I felt like I needed to resurrect that and finish it, so I did. And I rewrote it. And so what this declaration is, this decree is, is this comes from Romans, or excuse me, this comes from Deuteronomy 28 and partly from Deuteronomy 7. How many of you are familiar with those two script, uh, those two chapters in the Bible? Really? First service, there were very few also. Let me tell you, I really encourage you, read Deuteronomy 7, especially starting in verse 12. And then read Deuteronomy 28, because these are not only just promises that God has made toward us, but they're the type of promises that He says will overtake you. So rather than this being something like we're praying, you know, hoping God will answer this prayer, this is the prayer from God's heart concerning us, saying He wants these promises to come and overtake you. So what you're doing, what we're doing, is we're decreeing, we're declaring what God has already said about us. Now some of the stuff in here... You may not be, you know, like part of it says that I'm in perfect health. Well, maybe you're not in perfect health. I know every time I shoot myself with insulin, I say, thank you, Lord, for healing my diabetes. I already thank God for healing the diabetes, even though I need to take a shot of insulin. In Romans, and it is Romans 7:14, God is speaking of Abraham, and he says, calling those things that are not as though they were. And he's referencing when Abraham's became, or Abram, became Abraham. Now, did you know that for years and years and years, Abram walked in the promise that he'd be the father of many nations? Mm -hmm. And then God comes to him and he says, I'm changing your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So for one year, every time Abraham said his name, he said father of many nations. Hi, I'm Bob. How are you? I'm good. I'm father of many nations. (laughs) Every time, father of many nations. Within one year, Isaac was born because he kept declaring that he is before he was. Did you get that? He kept declaring that he is before he was. So, if any of these things in this declaration are not yet, they are. They are. Alright? So let's declare this, and let's not just say this. Let's decree this, okay? So stand if you want, sit if you want, lay on your face, do whatever you want. Alright. And emphasize with me when I emphasize, okay? As I seize this opportunity, To give back a portion of what I've already received, I make this decree before the heavens. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am blessed both coming in and going out. I walk in perfect health. My personal finances and that of my work and business are blessed. I am wealthy because I have been given enough to take care of my needs and help others with their needs. I am a people set apart for the purposes of God. Amen.
1: Hey, everybody. uh, Thank you, Lord. Such a powerful time in worship. I just really, for the last couple of weeks, I just felt like, some of the things that we get into in worship are just really tearing some walls down. And um, I just feel like when we're sensing that, we just need to capitalize on it. And, um, you know, the Lord is good, and He has called us to co-labor with Him. Um, You know, some people just kind of have this thing like, well, God's just going to do what God does. But, you know, we've been called to co-labor with Christ. And we're part of the plan We're really a very big part of His plan. And we are spiritual beings. We've been born from above and we're created to tap into that spiritual realm so that we can hear what He's doing, feel, see, touch, sense what He's doing so that we can co-labor with Him. You know, and I know people may come in here at times and watch what we do here in worship and think these people are, you know, nuts. But it's really, um, you know, it's an upside-down kingdom, isn't it? Everything works a little opposite, you know, um and we just like to find out what heaven is about, what the Lord's doing, and go for it. so yeah. just encourage you guys with that so this morning, I just want to share a little bit of what the Lord's been doing in my life um for the last few months, um just some stuff that's been working on me, and byron the way Byron asked me to preach today, by the way, so I said, okay, I'll preach so um, I think that's pretty good. If he wants me to preach. I never know, if you know. So it's kind it's of always good. Well, good. <laughs> good. So anyway, um, when Robin McMillan came um, a few months ago, do y'all remember the message he preached where he saw he had a dream where there were these wagons coming out of heaven? Do y'all remember that dream? Yeah. And for those of y'all that are in here that don't, I mean, I always like to clear things up. Dreams are from the Lord. The Bible's full of dreams. Okay, I, sometimes people are in here that don't really, they hear that and go, what, they're getting stuff from dreams. Yeah, we are. It's biblical. So, <laughs> but Robin got something um, from dreams where he saw these wagons coming out of heaven. And I don't remember all of them. I have to go back and look at my notes. But I know one with provision. Isn't that great? Because, wow, we've not been in a season where we've needed Provision. Ooh, there's been so many tried and tested in that way, but one of the other ones he had was on hope, and he saw a wagon of hope coming, and um, and I really knew the Lord was speaking because that very morning and even previous to that, the Lord had really been speaking to me on hope, and I've never really been a, I mean I've never really thought about hope that much or really been big into hope. I've been more big into like the love of God and. That subject has never just really wet my fancy for some reason. I don't know why, but, but the Lord began speaking to me uh, about hope, and so I knew the Lord was doing something. And then um, I guess I, the Lord started speaking to me because really what happened was is I through this last few seasons, this last season that we've been in as a congregation, my hope really got dashed. There's just so many negative things going on. I mean, really, I just didn't really know how to handle. I mean, honestly, it's one thing to handle your own personal things that you're going through. But, you know, we're our body in a community here, and so many people were going through things, so many. And so you just add all that into the equation. So I really, for the first time, found myself in a place of not really having a lot of hope. And so um, it, I think it was, it's just a something that the Lord's bringing to the forefront now that you know this is what it finally all came together for me when Michelle Perry came. See the Lord's speaking to us right now. We had Michelle Perry to come first, right behind that Arthur Burr, and then Bob and Bonnie Jones. and I tell you all of it really fits together. it's It's really amazing and um, and so when Michelle Perry came, she had this word for us that the enemy had not been going after our faith. They've been going after our hope, and wow! When she said that, it was like a light came on for me about what was going on, on the inside of me. How many of you feel like you've really had a time where you got into hopelessness, or your hopes been really messed with? Yeah, it's been it's been tough. So um, when she gave that word, and she re- she felt like there was an angelic presence that came, you know, to help us. Because here's what's going on. When our hope is eroded, this is what she said: When the enemy goes after your hope, it's because he's going after your faith, because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, is that not? When you get a hold of that, that'll really make you realize why the enemy's been going after hope. And so, um, you know, I I just thought that was powerful within itself. But then, uh, in between her being with us, and then Arthur Burke coming right after her. she By the way, she was trying feverishly to change her ticket to hear Arthur. Because she knew about Arthur's word. About Arthur's hearing a word. He's a hundred years old. The Lord gave him a word that there were going to be arms and limbs coming out of heaven. And that he would live to see it. And she had one leg. She was born with one leg. So she's heard about this word, so it's pretty, pretty powerful. But she, it was going to be an exuberant amount to change her ticket. She was going on somewhere else and was going to come back. But um, so, uh, in between these times, I was sitting on the front porch with the Lord, and um, I started hearing this song. That it's not really a song. It is uh, Melissa Helser on her CD quoting the, this verse, Isaiah sixty-two. 6 through 12, and I got up and got my iPod and started listening to it, and it was, it was powerful. I just knew the Lord was speaking, and I wanted to read that if you would put that up. It says, I've posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem, day and night. They keep at it, praying, calling out, reminding God to remember. They are to give him no peace until he does what he says until He makes Jerusalem famous as the city of praise. God has taken a solemn oath, an oath He means to keep. Never again will I open your grain-filled barns to your enemies to loot and eat. And never again will foreigners drink the wine that you've worked so hard to produce. No, the farmers who grow the food will eat the food and praise God for it. And those who make the wine will drink the wine in my holy courtyards. Woo! Here we go. Walk out of the gates. Get going. Get the road ready for the people. Build the highway. Get at it. Clear the debris. Hoist high a flag, a signal to all peoples. Yes, God has broadcast to all the world. Tell daughter Zion, look. Your Savior comes, ready to do what He said He would do, prepared to complete what He promised. Zion will be called new names, holy people, God redeemed, sought after, sitting not forsaken. So, wow. Isn't that good? Yeah. So good. So I was just getting really feeling fire on this. And really what I really was feeling a couple of things was this. First of all, God's posted watchmen on the walls. I'm really feeling stuff about prayer right now. Really feeling that the Lord is speaking to us prophetically, but it's not automatic. Bob Jones has given us a word about the time of our journey of being, coming out of the wilderness is going to end. And that the eye of God is upon us. Okay? And that it is the glory of God. He saw an eye. He saw us coming out of darkness, out of a journey. We've been journeying together. And at the end, He saw the light of God's eye upon us. Brilliant. And it's the glory. But I really believe this. That when we get prophetic information like that, that it is a time for us to stand up and say, okay, we received that word Okay, and we're going to be a part of that plan. It's an invitation for us to join God and to co-labor with Him in what the Lord is saying to us at this time. Okay, and so it's time to move the debris, and I just believe it's time for for prayer and standing together. The other part of Bob's word was circling, circling together. Okay, and uh, he saw us in circles. And I just, I'm really feeling, I was feeling that before he even spoke this word because I felt like just moving the debris was really important for us in this season and and, and for God to do whatever, what it is he's wanting to do in our midst right now. And so um, I just say, you know, that's one of the ways we can get at it and get going. Is when we see the stars come up on our prayer chain, that we take it seriously and say, Lord, we're part of that circle. We're a family of God. It's time to take all of this seriously and get going with it. You know, and really um watching what the Lord's gonna do through those prayers. And um and the you know, just really feeling like that I you know, really feeling a renewed thing for being connected to the body also. Just that we're, we're part of each other. Anytime somebody's suffering, we're all suffering. Yeah. It's just not like, uh, you know, we're just going to... Wider. I need water. <laughs> oh, there it is. I'm going to Thank you. Yet that wasn't there. We call things that are not as though they are. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so just want to encourage you with that. But I want to just... Um, here's one of the strong words I'm feeling right now. Tell my daughter Zion... I'm going to do all that I've promised. I just feel to say that to you this morning, that the Lord is going to do all that He's promised. And it was really wild. I got this two days before Arthur came. And here's what Arthur's words were. God is waiting to bless His people and will show everything that you didn't believe He will fulfill. Yeah. The divine plan is such that God will prevent nothing but the highest. All God's greatest purposes are ahead. And he said this, I don't know if anybody caught this, I wonder if this company is waiting for the blessing of God. The best of God is ahead. Okay? And um, again, I just want to tell you, for people that don't know who Arthur Bird is, he is our spiritual father. He's from Wales. He's one of the last people alive from the Welsh Revival He's been carrying a word about a last day's movement where the wind would begin to blow, the water would begin to flood, and there was going to be a mighty revival where people would get saved like leaves falling off a mighty oak tree. Do you know how easy that is for people to get saved? I mean, the wind blowing and just, they're just falling. and this and that there would be arms and legs that would fall out of heaven. And he was given a personal promise by Bob Jones. OK, Bob Jones told Kathy Walters, "There's a man in Wales, or an in that you know that has a word from the Lord that he's going to live to see." Arthur just turned 100 years old, okay? He came to He, he was just with us about a week and a half. And so what I'm saying to you is this is that the Lord is extending an imitation to us as a body. That the best is ahead. And he's saying, tell my daughter Zion that I have the best ahead for you. The best is coming. We have all of this ahead of us. Well, then we had, and then Bob Jones last week. And, and these guys asked to come to us. Okay? I'm putting this together for you. Stringing together. Then Bob comes right behind and says, um, gives us this word about coming out of the wilderness. And that the Lord's eye is upon us. And um, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm really excited that we have this kind of thing going on. That the Lord is beginning to speak to us. That our time is coming to an end. But I want to remind you, I do believe when we get words, we get an invitation to co-labor with the Lord. So, um, so anyway, I want to just give you some... Um, I just want to give you a little bit of things that the Lord's been speaking to me about, about the wilderness time. And it, I, so many people have been in a wilderness time to remind us of why we go through wildernesses. And uh, this is really some stuff I felt like the Lord said. when we're, It's a pruning season. And pruning seasons are not because you don't have fruit. It's because you do. It's because we're bearing fruit. So He prunes for more fruit to come forth. And then for some, it's a discipline season. I mean, but you know the good news about that is the Lord only disciplines children. He doesn't discipline us if we're not His kids. So that lets us know that we're His. And so we, when we know that, we should just submit ourselves to Daddy. You know, because Daddy knows best. He really knows best. He really does know best. And then the next thing I feel about it is it's a season of trying of our faith. But the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. You know, and I think about Peter. His, he was sifted. You know, sifting, I feel this. Shifting is sifting. It's really, when we're, you're being sifted, you're really being shifted from one place to the next. And so, when you get it in your mind what really has been going on with us, it really helps it helps to understand it. You know, Peter gives us such a great example. I love it because um, Jesus actually said to him that Satan has asked permission to sift you, but I pray there's the prayer that your faith will not fail you. And so, there it is the trying of your faith. Is more precious than gold. You know, Peter ends up saying to the Lord at some point, Lord, where, you know, when, he, when Jesus looked at him and said, Are you going to leave me too? A lot of people had left him, and Peter said to Jesus, Where else would I go? For you have the words of life. And so, really, see, all of this, is, I just really want to say this, guys. It's hard what we've been through, but we don't really realize it's needed. And necessary. This is just part of it. It's part of the God getting us. The shifting is, the, you know, the sifting is shifting. It's one and the same. So many times we're being brought from one place to another. And so um, I just wanted to encourage you with that. So you can maybe understand, you know, why we've been where we, we, we've been. And, um, and I thought it was interesting that Bob's words... He said that we began in the nighttime. Our journey began in the. We were, it was before daylight, and that's something. You know, a lot of us have been in this congregation for a long time, but I felt like the Lord said to me, "The last few years has been really rough on this congregation. We have lost a lot of really precious people of God. We have, in the middle of contending for faith." For healings, for revival, for really going after with the Lord, for all, with all of our hearts. You see what I'm saying? It's not because we've been doing anything wrong. Seriously. We've, I, I felt like the Lord said this morning, you tell them, you tell them it's because they've done everything right. It's not because anybody's done anything wrong. That we're just coming, it's, it's, weird. it's because I've got somewhere to take you. And we can always depend on the Lord. I'll tell you, early death is not God's will, we, but we can absolutely depend on this—that He works all things together for our good. He He really absolutely does, and um, you know, and that sifting so we can shift is really important. I want to just say this—you um, know, Peter's faith was tried. But he was really being changed from one person to another. Remember that? Right. He, was, he was being changed to become Peter yeah. the Rock. I think his name was Cephas before and then he became Peter. Is that right? Or, how do you say that? Well, I have Simeon. Simeon. Simeon? No, Simon. Simon. Okay, Simon.
2: Okay, yeah. well he was becoming a rock.
1: He was becoming a rock. And so, you know, Byron preached last week in first service that we're in a hallway right now, and and the hallway is the hardest place because you just you've been one place and now you got to get to the other. You know, how many of you feel like you're in a hallway right now? Yeah, so many in a hallway. But here's here's the thing. I I believe one of the things that will help us. Get through this final push, which Jen gave me a word this morning. It's transition. It's birthing of a baby. You know, it's transition time. And um, imagine how that little baby feels coming through that birth canal. You know, being—I mean, this wonderful, nice womb, warm. You know, the sounds of hush and whoosh and, and <laughs> heartbeat and its home, its environment. And, you know so comfortable but all of a sudden it's been pushed through a birth canal to its destiny So the most difficult thing you know it will probably that any of us ever face is coming through that birth canal so i believe that's really where we are we're coming through and and we started our journey we really didn't start you know i believe the lord said to me this week that our journey really It just started a few years ago. It started in June in 2009 when we had a tragedy here of one of our precious sons that went to be with the Lord, and so that began a series of really difficult things for us, you know. But you know, we have to embrace these things. I I saw found this scripture this week that says this: that Hebrews 11:39. Did I give you that, Denise? she didn't have any i'm not using any of the scriptures i gave her so here it is uh amplified okay. amplified um hebrews eleven thirty nine And all of these, this is talking about the, the Hall of Faith people, all of those that are listed in Hebrews 11, the great Hall of Fame uh, faith chapter. And all of these, though they won divine approval of their faith, looking at that, look at that, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Keep going. Oh, do I have another one? Forty-two, I'm sorry. Well, let me, yeah, go to (laughs) forty. Because God has us in mind and has something better, say better, Better. and greater in view for us. Okay? So that they, these heroes, and herons of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we can join them. So there was purpose in their promise not being fulfilled. Do you see that? There was purpose in it. Yeah. And so we have to understand sometimes when we're not getting the things. Whew, that's a tough one, isn't it? But you know what the Lord's reminded me of? Because um, really what I want to talk to you about this morning is hope. Because when our hope is eroded, we don't have faith. Okay? So, um, you know, we have to understand. That when that, these purposes sometimes that we're really going for, in our, and, and, and the thing we hope then doesn't come to pass, that still, I don't really care why anybody says God has purpose in it, and that all things work together for our good. Amen. We can always stand on that. Amen. And I think this morning, if there's anything I could give you, I want to give you some things that the, that the Lord has helped me with pegs I've hung my hat on through these times of hopelessness in my own heart. Okay? And that's been really one of them, is that I know that God works all things together for our good, no matter what. No matter what I'm hoping in does not come to to pass. I think of the message that Larry uh, Randolph gave us when um, he talked about when... They had, we had to bury, they had to bury their Stephen in the book of Acts. Do you remember that? Stephen was murdered. He was stoned to death, one of the premier servants of the Lord in the book of Acts. And, you know, can you imagine how the church felt at that point? You know, listen guys, we're not alone. We have a cloud of witnesses. We're not alone in our hopes being dashed. The Bible is full of this stuff. And somehow, I think if we could just get a hold of something here. But here's what happened when Stephen went home to be with the Lord. Okay? This is Peter. Not Peter, but Philip. Did not stay stuck in hopelessness and despair. He got up and went to Samaria and preached the gospel. And began to experience the same kind of miracles that Stephen had walked in. Okay, now let me just say this. This is what Larry talks about. He says we have to get used that God can be just as much in in plan B, C, D, and F. He can use those plans just as well as he used plan A. And, and, And because somebody goes on to be with the Lord or we don't get what we were hoping in, I'm going to tell you this, that the Lord... Can use B, C, D, and F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Okay? He can use every one of those plans. Because he's got. He's got. Right. He's not in a box. And I feel like the Lord is saying to us today get out of your box. Amen. Get out of the box. It's like my daughter in law, Kara, this week. We went to the doctor on Friday. You know, she's pregnant again. If you didn't get the message, but. And it's, we're facing a pretty serious thing. She's got a huge blood clot in her uterus. And we go to the doctor and he, we got a heartbeat. Amen. You know, isn't that great? But the doctor's telling her she can't work. Now, you're looking at 50% of income and two incomes barely paying their bills. And she gets in the car and says, I can't work. I mean, she says, I've got to go to work. I mean, that's all she's saying. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to have to go on to work because we just can't. But I just looked at her. And the Lord had given me this word this week. Get out of the box. And I looked. I said, you've got to get out of that box. Because, you know, this baby inside of you, this is your doctor's recommendation. You don't go to work. And so, get out of the box. A, B. He didn't use plan A. Okay. We're going to go to B, C. And we're going to know this. That we're going to do double miracles right. in the place of where we've been dashed with plan A. Right. We're going to, we are, we're going to do it. So I believe it. So here's the thing: the enemy's going after our hope because we got a lot of stuff to do as a body and um, and as individuals. It's not just us as a church. God's got a lot of plans for us, and I believe He's brought people here. To try to get our hope activated again. He brought Michelle Perry. He brought Bob Jones. Bob and Bonnie Jones. You know. And he brought um, um, Arthur Burt. All within a short time period. And so I believe he's really wanting our hope to arise again. And, um, And here's... I just want to say a few things to you about that. Okay. This is what another peg... For me that I've been hanging my hat on later. One's been, you know, he works all things together for my good. This has been another one. Okay, Isaiah 40, 31. She's got this one. She had to pull it up in first service. (laughs) I want you to see that this is what I want you to see. That waiting and hoping in the Lord is one and the same. Okay. It says, But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, hope in Him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. That's really good. And so what I'm saying to you is, I've been really feeling this from the Lord lately is that Andrew Murray said this is all the things that the body of Christ needs to to, uh, cultivate the art of its waiting on the Lord. And waiting and hoping in the Lord is really one and the same. Waiting on the Lord is to me a pathway of power. You know the reason why it is? Because I get out of the way and I say this, Lord, I am not going to put my hands to this thing, but I'm going to wait on You. Because if You don't do it, it won't get done. Right. It won't get done. You know, I, I will just say this. You know, all of y'all know that we've been contending for our daughter to have children. She's been trying to get pregnant for five and a half years. And, uh, and we've been, we've, we have done everything we have known to do. We have prayed we have fasted, we have declared, we have decreed to the point where I was worn out. I just got to, I wouldn't even get people to pray because I was so tired and I just got hopeless, to be honest. My prayer life, there was damage in it, over it, because I just got to where I just don't know if God's going to really answer prayers, you know. Any of you been there? Yeah, it's rough. It's really rough. rough. But I'll tell you what—the waiting. When I began to get a hold of this word about waiting on the Lord, that's what's sort of bringing me out and the hope to start rising again. Because I knew it really wasn't up to me. I knew that waiting on the Lord—he, I was going to wait on Him. It was up to Him to really bring babies forth in my daughter's womb. I, I there's nothing really I can do. Really, there's nothing I can do. And uh, and that really began to bring hope to me. Really, so if you've got situations that you're contending with, the waiting on the Lord is really a pathway to power, I really believe. It gets us out of the way. It's really a grace word. Did you all know that? You know why? Because this is a a, a great thing. When we come to the end of our strength and the end of our abilities to bring anything forth, that's usually where we get a, a big grace revelation. That it's not up to me. A, and, and that's why waiting is so important. Waiting. You know, I'll wait on the Lord as the watchmen wait for the morning. That's what uh, David said. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Say that with me. I'm going to wait on the Lord as the watchmen wait for the morning. Do you know those watchmen were in the ninth season? That's, they were watching all night on the lookout for where they may be attacked. And they were just waiting for the dawn to come to finally get that relief. There's nothing that waiting on the Lord will not deal with. I'm saying that this morning. There's nothing it won't deal with. you got issues in your relationships, in your health, in your finances. Waiting is helping in the Lord because it gets us... Out of the way, unless that pathway of power just floods us. There's too much in the body of Christ of setting our hands to things to steady the ark. Too much of it. We're running around trying to fix things, when really the Lord is our God and waiting upon Him to do what He does. (laughs) Mm. Thank you, Lord. So that has been something that has really carried me through, is really realizing that waiting and hoping is the same. Isn't that good? Yeah. It just restores that hope. It's just like, well, Lord, I'm yours. Yeah. I'm just yours. Everything I've got. Yeah. I, I, I'm just him. And, um, you know, it's one thing I want to say to some people in this room, because I've been there, In the hoping in the Lord, and certain things not come in the past. One season, I ended up in the belly of the well. Okay, I did. I ended up in the belly of the well. I was really down, and it was you know Jonah ended up there because he just didn't really like what God had to say to him, you know. So he ended up in the belly of the well. And so I just want to say this morning, the Lord wants to get you out. He wants to. He's not fussing about that. He understands that we're just dust and things get to us. But this morning He wants to get you out of the belly of the well out of despair and out of hopelessness. And I tell you, I said this this morning, the body of Christ, of all people, we should have hope. Of all people. You know, because this is the truth. In all finality, no matter what happens, we have a final hope. The hope is this. That even in death, when we watch death, that this is what the Bible says that we're going to take off this fleshly tent and we're going to put on a heavenly tent. We, we are of all people, should have hope. Because we even have the final hope. We have the final hope. So I just, I believe the Lord is just <sighs> wanting to breathe that fresh hope so we can go on and live a life of faith. I really, really believe that. So, um,. So, I just want to say this too, um, then I want Heather to share something, we've been waiting on this and we felt like this was time, whoo, it's good, I, I'm just feeling the Lord on that waiting and hoping, I really am, yeah. Mm, thank you Lord. So, last Sunday after Bob spoke and man just gave us a shot of hope, didn't he, with uh saying the Lord's going to bring us out of this journey we've been, been on and, um, I, went. I never turned the TV on after church. And I haven't really listened to T.D. Jakes in a long, long time. But um, <laughs> he's awesome. Yeah. I love him. He just preaches out of his gut, man. He just comes right out of there. And he was really preaching out of a deep well last Sunday. And this was it. He just said this. And I knew he was being a, sh- a shepherd to his body. He just was all over him. He was saying, "I know so many of you really are at the end. You have been. You've got trauma. You're in bankruptcy. You're just at the end. There's hopelessness. There's despair. You don't feel like you have anywhere else to go. You're just. You're just done. You're down for the count." He says, "But I'm here to tell you something that I, The Lord has shown me this. That the Lord, I see these angels, and the Lord is releasing these angels." And you could feel him getting released in that place. You could feel. He said this. He says this ought to be a message for shouting, but it's, a, it's really a message of weeping. Because you could feel those angel kids, those really low points and people in that room, those damaged emotions even from the pain and the trauma of life. And I just want to, I just believe that he was just saying these. He could see, you could see them and feel him getting released, the angelic realm. And yes, we believe in angels. Even Billy Graham has written a book on angels. And they're all through the Bible. And it says so they have commissions on them to come help them. They're, they're messengers. That's what the Bible says. So we need for them to bring the commissions that they have to bring to help us. We need help. We need help. So, mm, I, want, I want Heather to come. Bring this
2: Um, I had a dream about four months ago, um, and you know how the Lord gives you a dream, and it's pretty like, life-changing, pretty powerful to the point where you're almost humbled. It brings this humility of I don't want to release it too soon. I want it to, you know, the Holy Spirit to really release it and to be given at a right time. And I had it about four months ago when I came back from Apple Hill and Nova. Sosa had released this gifting of visitations and dreams and that they're really powerful. They're for us. And in this... So I had this dream. It was a Saturday night. And in this dream, we were having church service as normal. And we were all leaving. And we were going... Outside and everybody was, you know, where you're going to lunch, getting the kids all together, let's get in the car, that kind of a thing. And as I was outside, I noticed this 16-passenger white van pulling down our driveway. And it really, I I looked at it because I was like, I don't know anybody who has a 16-passenger white, white van in our, our congregation. So, I was seeing it pull in, and I was noticing that I was the only one seeing this. Like, nobody else was seeing this coming in. And as I looked at it, I looked at the driver, and I was like, that driver sure looks like Matt Stewart. And as it got closer, it, I knew right away it was Matt Stewart. And I started to freak out really bad because I haven't, I haven't seen him. And... Um, when he pulled in, it was like he had that same Matt Stewart smile. That same, he had his arm on the windshield and he came on in and he pulled in right by me. And he said, uh, I started to freak out a little bit and an angel got out and hugged me and said, don't be afraid, he has a special message for you. And when he looked at me, he said, I, he was like, hey, Heather, I have brought you help. And who better to bring help than me? And when he said that, 16 angels got out of the white van and they were all dressed in old, um, vintage, like, medical uniforms, like the old kind, old old-school-looking things, not like the new baggy things. It was like very to a T. They were very big. They all got out, and when they got out, they were very serious, and they had their purpose, what they were for, written on their forehead. And they didn't go just in the church. They went to family. They went down the road. They went all throughout. They weren't just trying to come in here, And they were very serious, and I remember being just, you know, shocked at how big and like they knew what they were doing. And when I, and then I looked back at Matt, and I just, I smiled at him, and I told him how much I missed him, and how I know Angel misses him, and and he just smiled, and then he just left, and I woke up from that dream, and then... I told Byron about it and I told Angel about it the next day. And so I just sort of waited on the, Byron and Becky and waited on when to release, you know, tell people about the dream. And then a couple weeks later, Becky and I were in here um, before we had switched the rooms and we were looking at carpet samples and paint samples and everything that we needed to do to switch the room. And my daughter, Madeline, was with me. And we were in the back, and she was running around the front and, and having a fun time. And then she came up to me, and as she came up to me, she handed me something. And I looked down at it, and it was an old Usher name tag that had Usher written on it with our old River Life logo on it. And it had Matt Stewart's name on it. And I started to freak out a little bit. I was like, honey, where did... Where did you get this? And she said, I found it near the speakers. And, um, and you have to know, we are clean people. I mean, we clean and we vacuum and we you know, organize. And this was an old name tag that had his name, Matt Stewart, on it. And I put it in my purse because I knew I had to give it to Angel. And so when I, a couple weeks passed, I didn't really understand the meaning of that and why the Lord had really given that to Madeline. And I was cleaning out my purse at home, and my husband, um, Aaron, I showed it to him. I said, I I don't know what this means. And he goes, well, Heather, that's easy. Didn't you have a dream that Matt was ushering in angels? And I'm like, yes, I did. (laughs) And uh, thank you for that interpretation, honey. I appreciate it. (laughs) And, uh, And so I knew that when I saw that name tag, that that was a physical reminder saying that this dream that I had, that the Lord releasing these angels, because we have, ever since Matt's death, around Matt's death, we have gone through it. Babies not being born, babies being born unhealthy, marriages falling apart, people dying of cancer, people getting cancer. I mean, it has been a very traumatic thing for our church to go through. And him, Matt, saying who better to bring help than me was just so powerful. And I ended up doing, because Becky was like, you know, you really, because the 16 passenger white van really stuck out to me. I was just like, why did I automatically know that was the 16 passenger van? I knew it. And in the number, I did some research, and 16 means, um, well, I did the 8 plus 8, and the um, eight Because I was like, there's a double meaning there. So, the eight means resurrection, regeneration, new beginnings. Hence, the octave in music is eight. There's seven and eight. And so, I was just, I was like, this, the Lord has brought heaven to earth for us. And that we have complete access. Because these angels are here, they're in this room, they're with you, they're with their families. And I ended up sharing it with Pam Troglin. And I shared it with my dad for the first time, my parents, when the day of um, Alton Troglin's funeral. And my dad, of course, was hoeing and getting all blasted like he does, you know. And he had an interpretation that that usher name tag was not just Matt ushering in angels for us. But that these angels are ushering angels that we can go up into heaven and get the things that we need and bring them down to earth. That star stuck being sick, that we can go into heaven and get her healing and bring it down to earth. That we have these angels that can come in and out of heaven on our behalf and get the things that we need to get. And when, um, and he really believes, my dad felt like our church is going to be able to use that resurrection power, that new beginning, you know, power. And then when I was thinking about it, just one more thing. Um, when I was thinking about it um, and praying about it and writing, Byron was like, you have to write this dream down. You can't just, you know, think about it. You've got to write down. And as I was writing it down, the Lord said, Psalm 16. 16, again. And I don't know what, what it was in there. And in Psalm 16... Starting at verse 5, it says, The Lord, you alone, are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. No wonder my heart is filled with joy. And my mouth shouts his praises. My body rests in safety. And this is the real good one. For you will not leave my soul among the dead. Or allow your godly one to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life. Granting me the joy of your presence. And the pleasures of living with you forever. And I just want to add this. That I think and I remember giving Angel a word. About that there's this new thing of really not allowing our soul to rot in this grave and the death, but to really start proclaiming the life that He has given us and that this life of hope and faith. And we've got to really start start operating in that and really access the help that has been given us because they are awesome and they are here to help us. And so I think that's it, thank you.